Welcome to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgem. And I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. And I'm Sergeant Ackerberg. On each episode of The Pillars, we find a brief resilience topic so you can practically fix any potential roadblocks you encounter and finish a better wingman, airman, and leader. So what's today's topic? So today we're talking about the fourth and final component of what makes a good leader. And this is from a keynote address that Lieutenant General Stephen Quast, the AATC commander, um, gave about three years ago where he talked about four uh, personality traits that make a really solid leader. Uh, Not just one who's effective in their work, but who's endeared to their uh, people whom they lead. And we've gone through each of these personality traits in turn, and now we're going to get to the fourth and final one, which is compassion. So in previous episodes, we've covered nobility, humility, and courage. And this one, which really brings it all together, is compassion. And Chaplain, this is right up your alley, because I'm, I'm sure from a spiritual perspective, compassion is very significant. Well, in the religious experience across faiths, compassion is truly the place where real growth occurs. Hmm. Below that, we are looking for our material needs. We want to feel safe. But compassion is the place where you don't just enter into your own experience, but you enter into the other person's experience and seek understanding. Yeah, it's uh, from a psychological and developmental perspective, this is um, the point where we start to recognize we are not the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. And there are other people out there, and we begin to learn empathy and really start to connect with other people. Um, It's the, the... um, thing that happens to kids when they're getting to about six or seven years old, they start to take other people's perspectives. And that develops um, or helps them develop a social mindset to think not just in terms of black and white, right and wrong, but uh, if I do this, how is that going to affect the other person? Or this person is feeling a certain way, what can I do to help change that? And, and it's extremely important as we grow into adulthood and navigate increasingly complex Uh, relationships, uh, because without compassion, our ability to relate with and to other people would be severely diminished. Well, and one of the definitions I came across of compassion, because sometimes we use the term and we may not know exactly what it means, the definition I found was a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. Now, you might seem that might just seem to be overtly negative, and you might think someone who goes through a medical diagnosis, car accident, etc. But really, it's just empathizing with life. Mm-hmm. That maybe they're a parent and having difficulty with their children, or some challenges with a supervisor, or coworker. You're just empathizing with them. In fact, the Latin origin of the word was just meant co-suffering. So mm-hmm. we recognize that we are all going through challenges, and we just try to meet them in their experience and recognize people are responding as best they can. They don't generally come out in a negative with a negative response they're responding because of some reason maybe it's a value it's some thought some reason in their life that's really a core value as to why they're responding that way and our job is mm-hmm. to empathize with them in compassion say why are they responding like this what is coming up in the person that's causing it you know it it's a lot easy it's easy to say in a podcast it's difficult in some situations one of the stories we were talking about before was that car accident I had in San Antonio. I'm TDY, yeah. I'm down at JBSA driving, and I'm at a stoplight right before one of these frontage roads, and I got hit from behind at a good clip, and it totaled the rental car, mm. which is always a great thing to do on a temporary <laughs> duty. And so I'm in blues. I step out of the vehicle. My car's totaled, and a gentleman walks out of the vehicle, and he's dressed uh, in foreign attire and just starts losing his mind. 
Now, mind you, it's about 7 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. San Antonio filled with military traffic. Lots of vehicles looking over at the guy in blues being yelled at by someone in foreign attire. <laughs> and my viewpoint of that was actually in a place of compassion. Hmm. Also in a place of concussion, but in compassion. <laughs> and trying to understand and to de-escalate the situation. That was mm-hmm. one of the places I can say I responded appropriately. And it took a few minutes to bring him down from his anger. And then he said, wait, are you okay? I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I'm fine. As I looked down and can't read words um, on paper. I'm fine now. Don't worry. But at that point, it was just trying to respond and realize, why is he like this? Why is he upset? Well, it's an amygdala hijack. Something's going on in his, uh, in his brain. He's used to driving conditions here. Like, there's some reason for him mm-hmm. to respond like that. And, and going back to that five minutes of Thrive I wrote uh, a few weeks back about the fundamental attribution error, it would have been so easy for you to have made a snap judgment about this guy's personality and say, he's angry, he's yelling at me, he's just a jerk. You know, yeah. or yell um, back, or respond, yeah, and, and respond in kind, and and reciprocate exactly what you were getting. But instead, you took a moment, you you paused, and and rather than allowing that amygdala hijack, like you were talking about, you thought through: was this person experiencing? And that's hard to do, um, and especially I would say even harder when you're a leader of fifty, a hundred, five hundred people to try to key into all those different voices and all those different needs. Um, expressing what it is that they're feeling and what they're needing. Uh, I guess the challenge as a leader is how do you have compassion for people as individuals, but then for an entire organization? So there was a study done in Ontario, and what they did is they surveyed a bunch of key people in leadership roles from the start of their taking over that position, Mm -hmm. and they followed them for a few years in. And basically what they found is that towards the end, um, the leaders, their compassion had almost been cut down by 50%. And so there's there's something called compassion fatigue mm-hmm. as well. And so not only do you, when you're in these authority positions, you have to make the hard decisions, so you're you're more likely to get callous. Um, but then in general, you can go the complete opposite, and you can get so overwhelmed and have such compassion for everybody that you you yourself are completely worn out. Mm-hmm. And and as a leader, I mean, it, where's that balance? You know, how do you how do you tread that? Absolutely. I, I see that in helping professionals all the time. I see that in first sergeants a lot, mm-hmm. um, that they've either been completely worn down by the constant compassion and empathy that th- their job requires, that they're just getting burnt out, or the opposite um, side of the coin, uh, they just become numb mm-hmm. emotionally to everything that they see, and, and they treat every situation um, in terms of right and wrong, black and white, rather than empathizing with the other person. So I think it starts with um, yourself, as do a lot of these different traits. It starts with a, an honest self-assessment about where you are and how you feel like you relate to other people. Um, the cool thing about compassion, though, is that we have to give it to ourselves first before we can mm-hmm. give it to other people. Because a lot of times we're our own worst critic. And if you're being really hard on yourself and you're magnifying all your perceived errors or flaws and you're constantly criticizing yourself with your internal talk, that dialogue is then going to become externalized towards other people. So you hold yourself to high standards. It makes sense. You would hold other people to the same standards, but what they're getting from you is a lot of the same self-criticism that you're giving to yourself. So I would say uh, the first step is, is to learn to develop that compassion and understanding that 
you yourself, and we all are, are, are flawed. We are imperfect humans and we make mistakes and that's okay because it's something that we all have in common. And then to project that out onto other people and recognize that people will have hard times, they will make mistakes, it doesn't necessarily uh, characterize them as um, bad or evil or um, incapable or incompetent of, of being human or doing their job. Um, but in that moment, what they need is is understanding. And that understanding starts with empathy and compassion. One of the concepts for growth from a spiritual perspective is that compassion allows you to, it's a good companion in your growth. What do I mean? When you encounter a challenge or difficulty or maybe an obstacle you need to get over yourself, realize that obstacle is not just an obstacle to accomplish. It's, it's there to teach you a lesson mm. and to look at the lesson it's trying to teach you. So uh, sometimes this is really difficult to to identify just out of the blue, but one of the best contexts for growth is marriage. And why? Well, marriage requires a lot of compassion. When you're in a married situation, you have to understand your partner. Mm -hmm. You both are unique, independent people making very different choices, but trying to figure out a life together over years. And some some people, they get married in six months and they're like, this is crazy because there are so many choices that need to be aligned. But we come from a place of compassion looking at our spouse saying, well, why would they make that decision? Mm -hmm. Why did they respond to me like that? Most of the time, that's not the way we respond, especially the people we love. We tend to be snippy or respond quickly. Mm -hmm. But we can come from that place of compassion. Um, it helps us to really understand those around us and help to really flourish in your relationship but it's the closest relationships that we have our close friends or, or intimate relationships where we we develop that uh, necessity uh, of, of uh, compassion that you need to have compassion and it will help you both grow I, I that's so true I can't tell you how many times I counsel people um, who are having relationship issues and a lot of times it boils down to simple miscommunication um, but that a lot of times will come from uh, assumptions and a failure to empathize with the other person, a fixation on your own wants and your own desires yeah. and seeing the other persons as diametrically opposed to yours instead of taking the time to empathize from where they're coming from to understand what their motivations exactly. are and find the common ground, find the alignment between your two goals or desires, which a lot of times we have. Um, but it can take some digging to, to get out rather than trying to impose your, your will on other people. So as a leader, how do you express compassion? I think this may be one of the biggest challenges is that we know how to empathize with other people, but how do we express that that we are a compassionate person? Um, I, I've got a story that um, a fellow CGO uh, told me a few years ago downrange. He said that um, he was in flight school. Um, when he was a young lieutenant and um, had just gotten married, uh, was doing a you know, great job through training, but just for whatever reason, something was not right in his life. And uh, he eventually pinpointed what it was, but at the time he was um, confused because he felt like things should be going great, but was suffering from a really deep and dark depression. And at one point he just couldn't take it anymore and made the decision that he was going to opt out of training, basically quit flight school. So he wanted to go talk to his commander and explain to the commander some of the things he'd been experiencing and some of the thoughts that he'd been having. And the commander's response was to close his door, to visibly, very, very, you know, visibly unplug his phone, to turn off his computer, turn off his cell phone, and uh, move around his desk to where he was sitting right across from this guy and give him his full undivided attention for like two or three hours, just talk with this guy and eventually, you know, got him the help that he needed. 
Um, but showing that kind of prioritization to people when they come to you for help, um, when having that policy, the open door policy we hear so much about, but really following through with that and really take, taking the time to demonstrate to people in those nonverbal ways that, that they're important to you, I think that goes a long way to communicating that compassion. From a, a verbal perspective, um, I think it's best when leaders can humanize themselves. Mm-hmm. So being willing to share a personal story about struggles that you have had um, and ways that you've overcome them and use it not as an example of you know past weakness or a, an area where you failed, but as a story of growth and recovery. It's potentially a story of strength that you had an issue, you took certain steps to overcome it and now you've learned from it or you've grown stronger because of it and those types of stories especially when it comes um, from a leader who's talking to their folks about mental health stress or other challenges can be really powerful Um, i've seen a a commander talk about his own personal time in in mental health when he was going through a rough patch in his marriage and how helpful it it was to him and even just by talking about in those terms he was communicating to the entire unit it is okay to go to mental health and you can still grow up big and strong in this Air Force and, hey, be a commander someday. It doesn't have to be this career ender like you know a lot of that stigma out there will, will tell you. And so these are just a few ways that as a leader I think you can um, communicate that compassion to your folks. But it happens um, not always verbally, but also a, a lot of times more subtly in, in your actions. Well, and we can define compassion. We've given some principles, but it, it truly is a spiritual topic that it's mm-hmm. not as easily defined if I give you these 10 steps to compassion. Right. So that empathizing with the person around you or, or around you, whether across from you or someone you work with, um, a way to do it, I'd, I'd say, is dancing in the moment. It's mm-hmm. almost like if you ever learned to dance, uh, it's the reason I didn't graduate with a higher <laughs> degree, higher uh, GPA, but not that I'm bitter. But when you're <laughs> dancing, you might be uh, doing uh, some kind of move. I can't remember all the, waltz like the waltz or, or something. Yeah, there we go. But in, in there are certain prescribed steps, but ultimately your partner is leading. One is leading. And if you'd imagine that the person across from you is leading this interaction and just seeing where they're going and listening to maybe those unsaid motions, just mm. listen to their heart, listen to what's behind them and just empathize as much as you can. See if you can feel why they're making the decision and just be very, very present and generally how to respond will come to you. Now, as a commander, it's very difficult as a first sergeant to do this with everyone, but we're just being present, being mindful Mm -hmm. and interacting with however many you can at a time. That's what makes a difference. We can't impact everyone in the wing every day, but if you can impact five or 10, that makes, that makes a huge difference. So just keep that in mind for scale. Absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to showing people that they're important to you that they matter, that their time matters, and what they have to say matters. I think another good addition to that is just when you're put in a situation where you have that trigger, right, of your amygdala, right, uh, you have the ability to withhold judgment, mm-hmm. right, and Huge. just con- like make a conscious effort to just not come to a conclusion like that and just kind of take a look at the situation, and then later on, if you feel necessary, judgment can apply, right? <laughs> Um, but most likely withhold judgment. Don't list it as a positive or negative. And jump to conclusions. Exactly. And then that way you give that clean slate for the situation to unfold. And then mm-hmm. if you have to ask further questions, you're not coming from a, a place of positive or negative per se. You're just coming from a place of curiosity, which is really empathy. I actually think that's that's huge because yeah. oftentimes we want to solve the person's problem in front of us. And mm-hmm. that's not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to listen for why they're making decision, 
what's coming up and just be present. And that that's a great point. Thank you for listening to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgem. And I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. And I'm Sergeant Ackerberg. Until next time, if you need us, please reach out to us in the global address list. And we will have a forthcoming Twitter account, which you can reach us on as well. So please Google that. We will post that as soon as possible. But we want to thank you ultimately for what you do for our nation. We just hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm.